You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Second Corinthians 13, Paul uh, challenges the believers, hey guys, I'm coming to visit a third time. Uh, this would be Paul's third visit. We know he sent at least four letters to them, this being the fourth of those letters that we know of for sure. Uh, he sent at least four letters. He's coming on his third visit, and he says, I want you to make things right. If there's anything to get squared away, I want you to take care of that. Last week, we took a look at the importance of self-examination and making sure that we're 100% right before God. Uh, we find ourselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 10 uh, through verse number 14. We'll take a look at this passage of Scripture, and then again, we have one uh, final message in this series next Sunday night. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 10, Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints salute you, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Uh, verse number 14, uh, just by way of uh, introduction, kind of as a side note, I guess, if you will, verse number 14 shows the Trinity. Uh, the Trinity is a uh, distinct Christian doctrine that God exists in three distinct persons. Uh, and so we see all three people of the Trinity here. Again, false religion would try to tear down the Trinity to say that Jesus Christ isn't really God, that the Holy Spirit isn't really God, uh, to, to say that uh, there's a false teaching called modalism, that teaches that God exists in three distinct modes, that God is kind of like a shapeshifter, that he becomes the son when he needs to be and he becomes the Holy Spirit when he needs to be, but he generally stays as God the Father. We would reject all of that and say that God exists in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, uh, making up the Trinity. Uh, the word Trinity not found in Scripture anywhere. It's just a word that we use to explain that God exists in three distinct persons and each one of them is equally God. Uh, so we see all three of those here uh, in the, at the end of uh, Paul's benediction, if you will, in this passage of Scripture. As you take a look, these are kind of Paul's final instructions. If I were to give tonight's message a title, it would be final instructions. As a parent, before you leave the house, if you're ever leaving your kids at home, some by, alone by themselves, some of you can only dream of the day that that comes, that you can leave your kids behind, uh, and uh, you give them final instructions. Don't answer the door. I don't care who it is. You know, if someone comes to the door, tell them that your parents are in the shower. Don't tell them that your parents aren't home. And you give your kids all these instructions on what they should and shouldn't do. Uh, don't jump on the bed. Uh, don't uh, turn on the TV. Don't uh, turn on the stove. Don't put anything in the oven. Don't put anything in the microwave. And you give kids all these instructions before you head out. Final thoughts. And so Paul, as he leaves his children in the faith in this final letter here, he gives them some final thoughts. Hey, guys, I'm coming shortly, but until I get back, here's what I want you to do. As he starts off this uh, passage uh, or this, uh, this closing uh, in, his, uh, in his letter, verse number 11, he says, finally, brethren, farewell, be perfect. What Paul's saying in this case here is be mature. Uh, the word perfect does not mean without flaw. It doesn't mean flawless. He means be mature. The heartbeat of Paul for the church at Corinth is that they would grow up spiritually, all of 1 Corinthians, most of 2 Corinthians is Paul imploring them, encouraging them, guys, be mature, especially 1 Corinthians. He's writing to what we would find as the most carnal church in all of, church, of all biblical history, of the church at Corinth here. He's saying, hey guys, be mature, grow up, 
The word that Paul uses here uh, when he says be perfect or be mature in this case here means to make things right. If something were messed up, uh, I want you to make them right. Uh, This goes for any relationships that were uh, broken in the church at Corinth. He says, guys, I want you to be perfect. I want you to be made whole again. And if there's a relationship that's out of sorts, somebody that you got a problem with, I want you to make it right. Unity is so incredibly important in the local church. And so Paul encourages them, guys, if there's something that needs to be made right, make it right. Next, this word that he uses here carries the idea of putting things in order. Uh, I am a slob by nature. Uh, My wife found that out when we got married. Actually, she kind of knew it when we were dating and she really found it out whenever uh, we got married. My wife is meticulous about having things in order though. Everything has a place. Uh, Even our drawers are segregated in the fact that my undershirts are separate from my socks, which are separate from uh, my other types of shirts. And then I have uh, my, even my undershirts, my uh, tank top undershirts and uh, t-shirt undershirts are separated uh, based on V-neck and uh, non-V-neck and things like that. It's it's awesome. I love it because I don't have to do it. Uh, But she is the type of person that everything has a place everything is in order. Let me just tell you this. God's a God of order. God wants things the way that they should be. In this case here, God tells the church at Corinth not to clean up the church grounds and make sure that the janitor's closet's sorted out. He's telling, hey, make sure if there's something that's out of place that gets brought back into place. Uh, The church should be a place that functions uh, highly efficiently. And we can't do that if everything is not complete, if everything is not in its place, if everything's not reconciled the way that it should be. This also carries the idea of living with integrity, being a person of your word, being a person that can be counted on. If you say that you're gonna be somewhere, you're there. If you're supposed to be somewhere at a certain time, you're there uh, on time, and on time is always early. Uh, Walking with integrity. Again, the, the, the first letter that Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians, which is actually the second letter, I guess you could say. 1 Corinthians, though, Paul challenges them with serious integrity problems. Uh, whether it be uh, sexual immorality, whether it be division in the church, whether it be uh, Christians suing other Christians and things along those lines, major problems. But here, he's trying to bring them up to the next level. It's not so much in 2 Corinthians correcting all the wrong uh, that's taking place in the church as far as sin. It's now correcting doctrine. Now it's encouraging them to uh, love one another and serve one another, challenging them to be mature, live with integrity. So when he says here, be perfect, what he's saying is, I want you to be mature as a Christian. As your pastor, one of the greatest desires I have for you in your life is that you would be a mature Christian, that you would know what the Bible says and how to apply it. Like we took a look at this morning, having wisdom. My hope for our church is that we would not be a church uh, made up of baby Christians, but that we'd be a church made up of mature believers who know what they believe, why they believe it, and how they're supposed to live out their faith in a real and practical way. That was Paul's heartbeat for the church at Corinth here as well. Secondly, he challenges them to take care of one another, He says here, be of good comfort. And the idea here is not that they would feel good about where they are. The idea here is that they would love one another, serve one another, and take care of one another. The word that Paul uses here in this case is the word parakaleo, which has the idea of coming alongside of. If you see your brother walking through a tough time, come alongside him and walk through it. This word parakaleo uh, that Paul uses here is the same word that Jesus uses in John chapter 16 to describe the Holy Spirit. He says, when I leave, I'm gonna send you the comforter. And the word that he uses here, the comforter being the Holy Spirit, is the same word that we see here when Paul says, be of good comfort. The idea is not that you and I would be the Holy Spirit for other people, but that we would walk beside people, encourage people, help them in their faith. And if somebody's going through a rough time, we walk through that rough time with him. If someone's having a a great day, we have a great day with him. The Bible says that we were to rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. 
And the idea of being of good comfort carries this idea of taking care of one another. Uh, this means to exhort one another. The word exhort means to challenge and build up, encourage, to help them. This should be a place where we are continually built up every Sunday. I've been to churches before, unfortunately, that were incredibly unhealthy where people got torn down every week. Uh, you got told what a horrible Christian you were because you didn't uh, live up to some standard that somebody had set. Uh, you had this picture of who you were supposed to be and it wasn't Christ, it was another Christian that you needed to be and if you didn't, you were brought down because of that. That's not the idea of the church at all. The idea is that we're all doing it together. You have strengths that I don't have. That's why I need you and you need me. That's why the Bible says that the body uh, of Christ functions as a physical body would, and everybody has a role to fulfill inside the church. We're to exhort one another, encourage one another. We're to admonish one another. The word admonish means that if someone needs correction, we're gonna correct them in a loving way. That if somebody's uh, maybe missing out on church, we're gonna say, hey, brother, I haven't seen you in a while. Is everything okay? If we know of a brother or sister who's in sin, we're gonna encourage them to step back from their sin, repent from their sin, come back to a right relationship with Jesus that's incredibly important. He says, take care of one another, come alongside each other, help each other walk through the Christian life together. Thirdly, in this passage, finally, brethren, farewell, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind. The idea here is that we would live in unity. That we're all on the same team together. That there's no division in the church. This was one of the major problems that Paul had with the church at Corinth in the beginning. If you read through the first parts of 1 Corinthians, you see that Paul uh, was struggling with uh, division inside the church. He said some people had said that they were uh, followers of Paul. Some people said that they were followers of Apollos. Some people said that they were followers of Peter. Some people said, well, I'm not a follower of any of those guys. I'm just a follower of Jesus, and it created division inside the church. And Paul said, please don't do that. We're all on the same team together. And the idea is that we would function together as one team, one mind, living in unity you see, we're all united around the gospel. What drives us is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind. The mission of the church is the Great Commission. The Great Commission is the marching orders of the church. Go, win, baptize, teach. We find it repeated in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts chapter one. Five times we see in the first five books of the New Testament, Jesus repeats the mission of the church. The mission of the church being to reach others with the gospel. And that is what we're united around. I was talking to a man I was taking through discipleship yesterday, and I said uh, that we uh, don't get the opportunity to set the mission statement of the church. Jesus already did that. We don't get the opportunity to be able to determine the direction of the church. Jesus already did that. But we are here together because we're united around a common mission. That's the propagation of the gospel. It's about letting others know how they can be saved from their sin. Uh, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that every single one of us have sinned against the holy God and are deserving of God's righteous wrath and judgment. God's righteous wrath and judgment will be poured out on sinners for all of eternity in a place called hell. I don't wanna go there and I don't want you to either. So God made a way for you to be forgiven of your sins. Jesus came and died in your place. He died on the cross to pay for my sin and pay for yours so that we can be forgiven of our sins. And if you're here tonight and you don't know for sure when you die what would happen to you, I would encourage you to not leave until you get that squared away. That you would know for sure that your sins are forgiven and that heaven is your home because of not who you are, but because of what Jesus has done for you. But you see, that's what unites us all. We're a group of sinners that are in great need of God's grace. We're a group of people who fall short of God's standard that he has set. And we need God's grace to forgive us of our sins. That unites us.
That means we're all on the same team. That means that we, not only us, but other Bible-believing Christians are all on the same team together. That's called Team Jesus. Again, no room for division, no room for people who want to do their own thing, no, peop- no room in Jesus' church for people who want to redefine the mission of the church. Sometimes folks that are new to the church, they say, well, what is your church all about? We're all about Jesus. I don't understand the question. Well, what, what did you say that your ch- church's mission would be? Very, very simple. Go and baptize, teach. And then the question is, isn't that the mission of every church? Unfortunately, it isn't. Now, some, we do want to do everything we can to help out our community. We do want to do everything we can to make an impact. Uh, this morning, we had uh, the Salvation Army uh, Christmas angels on the, on the tree. We had 40 of those that we picked up last night. All 40 of them were gone in about a matter of about seven minutes this morning. It was awesome to see our church family rally around to want to serve other people. We're going to get about 10 of them uh, more uh, before next Sunday. So if you wanted to grab one of those, grab one next Sunday. What is that? That's just us trying to, to be a good neighbor, show the love of Jesus to people at the time of Jesus' celebration of his birth. Is that the mission of our church? Nope. Mission of our church can never be hijacked to help the poor, to help the homeless. All those things are important. It can't be to uh, hijack to, to help the sick. We should do all of those things, but we do it because those people will spend eternity somewhere. The mission of the church has to be the gospel, and the gospel will cause us to want to help the poor. The gospel will cause us to want to help the homeless. The gospel will cause us to want to help the sick. The gospel will cause us to want to make a difference in our community, but that can never be the goal. The goal always has to be getting people to Jesus. It does no good to give someone a meal that will last a couple of hours while neglecting their soul, which will last eternity. But we can reach their soul by helping them with a meal. I'm all for those. We have to remember what the focus of the church is. Again, we have to come back to the team that we're on together. We're all part of the same family. I was encouraged to hear some stories tonight and hear stories all week long about uh, folks who gathered together this week and broke bread together and enjoyed a time of Thanksgiving together. Why? Because the church is family. This is what we are. Most of us uh, don't have any family here on this island. I think our closest family member is about 4,500 miles away. But that's not such a bummer because this is our family here. The body of Christ was meant to be our family. Uh, That's why the Bible says that we're called brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. That God is our Father, we share a common Father, we're joint heirs with Jesus, and we are brothers and sisters together in the same family, and we're to live in unity. If at any point the unity of the church is threatened, everything begins to fall apart. If some, at some point someone's not getting along with someone else, or someone uh, has caused drama or problems in the church, it has to be squashed immediately because it damages the very fabric of what makes the church the church. So, Again, I've told you before, if I ever get wind of two people in our church that aren't getting along, we'll fix it together because that's what the church does. Finally, Paul challenges the church here, verse number 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind. Live in peace. The idea is this, is that there would be a little infighting, little drama. Peace is a result of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. Uh, Peace is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, one of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Galatians chapter five, love, joy, peace. Peace comes about as we are walking in the Spirit together. If we're walking in the Spirit together, there will be unity in our church. There will be peace in our church. I, I, I can't, in the five-year history of our church, we haven't had any drama in our church that's lasted more than a couple of days that I know of. Let me just say that. 
because we've all committed to walk in the spirit together. There's been everybody problems we've dealt with it head on. We, we sorted it out and we've, we've moved on together as a church family because that's what we're commanded to do. Problems linger in churches when people aren't walking in the spirit. Problems linger in churches when everyone wants to do their own thing or wants to create their own teams or create factions or cliques in our church. I've been uh, talking with uh, some of our men in our church about how we can uh, take our connect groups in the new year up to the next level. Our connect groups meet on Wednesday night. It's it's a a time for where we study the Bible together or a time for us to pray together, which is important. But how can we take these connect groups and make them uh, a deeper community inside of our church? And one of the the risks that we run if we do that is we uh, begin to make uh, smaller churches inside the church, and that's not a good thing. We want to avoid creating cliques inside of our church where the Deeper Roots group never goes to to dinner with the folks in Anchor Journey. That would be a problem uh, because we don't want to create cliques inside the church. I, uh, I don't know that as long as I'm the pastor of this church, I don't want to say never because I hate talking in absolutes, but I don't like the idea of having a Korean fellowship and a Filipino fellowship because we begin to exclude other people based on nationality, which I think is, is silly. I think it's important that the guys get together to talk about guy stuff and the ladies get together to talk about ladies stuff, but I don't think that we should uh, artificially fracture the body of Christ based on things like ethnicity or cultural backgrounds. I don't think it's helpful. Why? Because we're all on the same team together. And in God's eyes, there's one race, and it's the human race. And so we're all on the same team together. We're all going to walk in peace together, and this is a result of walking in the Spirit together. And Paul says, failing to follow these guidelines will forfeit God's blessings. He says, if you do these things, verse number 11, be perfect, be good, good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace. And here's the promise, the God of love and peace shall be with you. Now, it's important to understand he's not talking about the presence of God because we know that God is omnipresent. Sometimes people say, uh, quoting Matthew chapter 18, where two or three are gathered, there's the Lord in the midst of them. God's omnipresent whether there's there's one or there's one million. So, and again, that's not the context there is that God would be with people, two people that are gathered together. The, The context of that is actually church discipline if you read through the passage of scripture. The idea here is not that God's presence would be with us if we do these things and God would remove his presence if he doesn't. The idea is God's hand of blessing upon us. God's manifest presence. God will show up in a major way for you. God will help you in a major way here if you walk in peace, if you seek unity. If you're together with one mind together, God has promised to bless you. But friend, the moment that we stop being mature and looking out for one another, the moment that we stop living in unity together, the moment that we stop seeking peace together, when we do those things, we forfeit God's blessing upon our church. And I don't know about you, but I'm not willing to do that. So as Paul challenges these believers, he says, guys, be mature. Be mature believers. If there's peace, if if there's a lack of peace, if there's any drama, would you sort that out? If there's any loose ends that need to be tied up, would you tie those up before I make it there? And the promise is God will bless you for it. And I wanna encourage you, as far as the application of this passage tonight, is there an area of your life where you need to mature in your faith? Is there some area where you need to take a step up? Is there a place in your life Christian walk that you can say, I could do better here. I want to encourage you to do that. Don't wait till January 1st to do it. Uh, Don't set a New Year's resolution to do it. I hate New Year's resolutions. I think if you need to make a change, you just need to make a change. 
More importantly, is there a problem in our church that I'm not aware of? If there is, we need to, to get that squared away. Is there anybody in our church that you're maybe not getting along with or uh, there's drama that, that, that's maybe underneath the surface? If so, confess it, forsake it, make it right. Or if you need to, talk to me about it. We'll fix it together. I'll give you my word. What we cannot do is we cannot be immature Christians who split our church. We're to be together on the same team, loving Jesus moving forward. So God's been great to our church over the last five years, and God will continue to be great to our church as long as we do what he says. As I looked through these passages of Scripture, uh, as I studied over this message for tonight, I thought to myself, in our church, we have a lot of younger Christians, meaning they're newer in their faith. Uh, I grew up in a, in a church where uh, the only people who ever got saved were kids because everybody else in the church had been saved for 30, 40, 50 years. A lot of the folks in our church have been saved for probably less than 10 years or so. Where it would be a young group of believers, when you speak of the age of the, the time that people have been saved, but I would say that we're a fairly mature group of Christians in the fact that uh, there's never been a lot of drama. We're all kind of on the same page together. We figured out what the mission is and we're pursuing it passionately. But that doesn't happen by accident. We have to continue to do those things. I want to challenge you uh, tonight. Continue doing those things. Uh, the things that have made Hui Call a Baptist Church great for the last five years will be the things that will continue to make it great. A commitment to Jesus, a commitment to love one another, care for one another, and serve one another. And if there's something that's not right tonight, make it right. If there's an area of your life where you need to take a step up as a Christian, take a step up and let's be mature together. And God promises to give us his blessing for that. 